It's time for our 7.30 feature with R.W. Estella, a word in edgewise. Good morning, R.W. Hey, good morning, Brooks. Exactly a year ago, my girlfriend and I were in Cologne, Germany, just before noon on a Sunday, watching a dance troupe of about a dozen schoolgirls attempt a synchronized routine to the sound of Queen's Radio Gaga, blaring from a boombox sitting next to them on the steps of the great medieval cathedral that stands next to the city's Hauptbahnhof, its main train station. My cousin Steffi and her husband Christian had insisted on driving us into town from where we had been visiting them the past few days in Westerwald, an ancestral farming district about 45 minutes away. And now the four of us, along with perhaps a hundred other folks, had become part of an impromptu audience, fixing its attention on these young girls in gothic face paint, dancing in front of this gothic cathedral on this holiest morning of the week. Within minutes, my girlfriend and I had boarded an intercity express, known as an ice train, and were rocketing along to Brussels, where we'd transfer to another ice train that would speed us on to Rotterdam <clears throat> to rendezvous with Robin de Young, our Dutch friend whom we had known during several of the 20 years he'd lived in East Sullivan, Maine. We mentioned the performance we'd seen a few hours earlier in Cologne, and I downloaded the shots onto his computer to see how they'd turned out. Robin first remarked that the various ages of the girls, from 6 to around 13, reminded him of the dance school in Ellsworth his two daughters had attended for a while, once upon a time. Then studying the pictures for a few moments, he wondered out loud, what sort of students do you think they are? You mean at regular public school, I asked? Yes, he replied. What prompted Robin's comment was a job he had not so long ago in Rotterdam that an inner-city school teaching Dutch to immigrants' children, many of whom were refugees or were otherwise marginalized and whose day-to-day -day existence was of a rough and unready sort that naturally carried over into the classroom, making Robin's job more one of crowd control than actual language learning. Consequently, the burnout rate among instructors after a couple of years was high, and Robin became part of that percentage. Trying to answer his question about the schoolgirls in Cologne, I told Robin I was only guessing, but that maybe those young dancers weren't much different from a great many students in Western societies everywhere, who just happened to be engaged in some form of extracurricular activity. When they were in school, probably many of them became handfuls for some instructor somewhere. Yesterday I had two conversations with teachers about today's sorts of students. One was with Kea, the 30-year-old daughter of a good friend of mine in Williamsport, Pennsylvania, famous for its annual Little League World Series. The other conversation was with my sister Karen, who has spent the past year teaching art at an international school in Neuss, Germany, about an hour up the Rhine from Cologne. Kea has been teaching emotionally disturbed and learning disabled children from 4th grade through 7th grade in class sizes averaging about a dozen students many of whom are autistic or have ADHD and who are on a regimen of pharmaceuticals ranging from Ritalin and other metal phenidates to various versions of lithium carbonate. Karen is teaching several art classes of approximately 20 students, each at the 8th through 10th grade level. One of these classes is especially unruly, she says, requiring her to spend a good deal of time strategizing assignments so that delinquent students have to pay attention if they hope to deliver quality work. Otherwise, inattentive students will receive poor marks, bad course grades, and the type of attention they weren't looking for from their parents. 
For a number of students from the two local colleges I teach at, the past two weekends have been filled with graduation ceremonies and the accompanying festivities. For those students currently graduating and many others hoping to graduate in a forthcoming academic year, the end of the semester is also a time for my calculating a grade for each one of them. The first time I did this was more than three decades ago, at the end of the fall semester in 1977. The conversations colleagues and I had back then anticipated many of the things that have become commonplace in 21st century academia. We predicted that more and more students would arrive unprepared and unwilling to do college-level work, largely due to two conspiratorial factors, lack of adequate parental involvement and the inability of pre-college educators at the public school level to adequately prepare students with the basics in general education course material. In the meantime, the fact that a college education has become industrialized, inevitably generating all the undesirable byproducts and trappings of any industry, essentially guarantees that higher education will continue to graduate increasing numbers of semi-skilled, incompetent, and unmotivated students. At minimum, as Paul Trout, an English professor at Montana State University in Bozeman, has said, educators at all levels have a duty to, quote, assert control over educational quality and must find ways to entice students to commit themselves to their own improvement and enrichment, close quote. Judging from the conversations I've had lately with former and current teachers alike, situations are similar on both sides of the Atlantic. For Moreno, Maine, have a great day.